and welcome into another episode of Running for the Roses. I'm Ryan Baffalukas, alongside Lucas Rohde. Patrick Wagner had some work conflicts. We had to kind of work around my schedule last night. He will not be joining us tonight. Lucas, how you doing, man? How was the weekend? Uh, how's everything? Good. Uh, once again, we had uh, another friend in town. It was actually Hannah's birthday. Um, so we surprised oh. her. Her friend flew in from Baltimore. Uh, surprised her Friday night or Thursday night. Uh, it was good. Uh, went to a speakeasy, uh, like steakhouse on Friday night and had a, had a good Saturday. So it was a, it was a ton of fun and a lot of good college football that was on. So I'm happy to catch up. It was a really good college football weekend. There were some major, major games in the SEC that we'll get to uh, major upset down goes Florida. Big one this weekend in the Big Ten, Iowa, Penn State. We will get all to that. We'll do some conference-by-conference conference recaps, preview week six. Um, but first, we got to hand out our roses. Uh, got to hand out our weekly roses kind of to our player of the week, our team of the week, our moment of the week, whatever kind of we feel like we want to highlight. That gets our rose for the week. Um, I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, I'm going to give my rose to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, the fighting Dave Clausens. I think if you've if you've listened to the podcast before, you know I have an affinity for Dave Clausen. I have an affinity for the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. I think that Dave, um, I think that Coach Clausen gets as much out of that program as he possibly can, considering they are the smallest enrollment in Power Five. They are smaller than a lot of Group of Five teams. They have high academic standards, and they're in a conference. Um, that has four teams in their state in the <laughs> ACC, Duke, North Carolina, and NC State. Wake Forest is the last and lone undefeated team in the ACC. That is, that is crazy to think about on October 5th, right? I mean, is that not no, crazy? It is. Um, and the way you look at it, this is a perfect year for them if they wanted to make a push potentially for an ACC title game. Uh, everybody's down. I, I don't even know who's good in the in the ACC right now, to be honest. I mean, like Clemson, even when they win. So just as a a quick aside, Clemson wins this week, but they win by six against Boston college. It doesn't look good. They, they look very susceptible. Um, Wake, I was looking at their schedule. They're at Syracuse this weekend. They have a bye week. They're at army and home against Duke. They could conceivably start eight. No. Now the back third of the schedule is NC state Clemson, Boston college and North Carolina in, in some order. Um, so that's going to be difficult, but this team is ranked 19th in the country. They are the last undefeated team in the ACC Atlantic, and they're one more Clemson loss in conference away from really putting themselves in the driver's seat. You know, Wake visits Clemson, I believe, on November 20th, and if Clemson only has one loss, if they kind of right the ship, yeah, maybe Wake loses that game, Clemson wins the ACC Atlantic. I could easily see that happening, but I could also see Clemson losing Um another game or two yeah. in the ACC with the struggles on offense. They cannot score. So it'll be interesting, but I think it's crazy to me that Dave clausen has been there eight years. He has not left for a better job because I just think anywhere he goes, he wins. It's not fancy. It's not – doesn't have high recruiting classes, um, but he wins. And Sam Hartman is an established, good senior quarterback. They got kind of a wacky offensive system with that elongated RPO, and they do some – some kind of wacky things to get the receivers and running backs open in space. And um, we'll see, you know, I, uh, I'm tempted to, I bet the Louisville money line. Cause I'm thinking at some point this is going to end for wake, but they end up kind of squeaking it out over Louisville. But anyway, my rose goes to the wake forest team and Deacons. They have a five and O three and O in conference and in the driver's seat right now in the nice. ACC Atlantic. So uh, Lucas, yeah, what about you? Anyone, fun fact. When they actually play North Carolina, that is a non-conference game. 
uh, crazy enough. Yeah. But <laughs> it's Myra's going to another perennial underdog program, the uh, Kentucky Wildcats. Um, they are also, I believe, 5-0 and on this season. A huge win as they upset uh, Florida last week. Um, they did it in kind of a lot of crazy ways. You look at the final stat line, Florida probably should have won that game. Um, but a blocked field goal midway through the third quarter really changed. It was a complete 10-point swing. Kentucky ran it back for a touchdown. Um, and even though Will Levis only had 87 yards of passing, Kentucky was able to get it done. Um, and now they are tied for first with Georgia right now in the SEC East uh, with a big game this week against LSU. Uh, coming to town, which I actually is very winnable. I actually bet Kentucky minus three and a half to cover in that game. And then the next week they got Georgia. I think once again, you talked about Dave Claus and I think Mark Stoops has done a phenomenal job at Kentucky. Um, I've heard the running joke, especially living down. I was talking to a Kentucky fan this past week at work and he's like, yeah, we're, we honestly just want our football team to be relevant. So we have something to get us to basketball season. <laughs> That's that's all we care about. You get us to a bowl game, we're going to be pretty happy. Um, but credit to them, and I'm very interested to see where they move forward. Um, I don't think they beat Georgia. I, st- I think Georgia and Alabama have positioned themselves with a huge gap between everybody else. But it'll be interesting if they're able to win this week against LSU, um, how that game goes against Georgia. But I'm going to give it uh, to Kentucky as being the surprise potential number two team in the SEC East. I think it's really a good point when you talk about Mark Stoops and Dave Kloss and just kind of coaches that go under the radar. They're a little older and they just get the most out of their programs. Um, Kentucky has been a, a middle tier to upper tier program in that division the last handful of years. They were up there in 2019 when they played Georgia at home in a big one. They ended up losing. Um, it's going to be a big one. We'll, we'll see if Kentucky can get by LSU, a team that probably has more talent than them on paper, um, and set up a really big battle in Athens. Um, for probably the SEC yeah. East, um, and especially from what we saw from Florida. So Lucas kind of had a, a nice segue here. Let, let's get into some of the uh, the Week 5 recap here, and we'll start in the SEC. couple really big games, a um, couple important games for big-time programs, but let's start Georgia and Arkansas here, and Lucas will kind of go through these yeah. pretty quickly. You know, this was just a, a mauling um of epic proportions. Georgia goes down, scores a touchdown on the first drive. Arkansas, two false starts before they took an offensive snap. It just <laughs> went all downhill from there. Georgia wins 37 to zero. I guess Lucas, like, is this more on how you feel about Arkansas? Is Georgia just that much better? Like what were your takeaways from um, this one? I think kind of both Georgia to me, uh, not so much on offensively. Cause when you look at it, I mean, they only had 72 total yards passing. <laughs> Uh, for Stenson Bennett, he only threw it 11 times. Uh, they did run for 273 yards, but Georgia's defense, man, is just ridiculous. We were just kind of talking about it before we hopped on how they've only given up, I think, one offensive touchdown this year in five games. And like you had mentioned, it was, it was a garbage, garbage time. Touchdown. Garbage time. They just absolutely shut people down. They remind me of just like, they feel like on that side of the ball, they very much are Bama-esque on how they just – doesn't matter how good the opposite side is. They just physically dominate you at just about every single position. And I, to be honest, I didn't watch a ton of this game because by the time – I was it was on the same time as the Wisconsin game. When I flipped back, it was already 21 nothing, like in the first half. 
Um, so I think one, it builds on how Georgia goods. I still have a little worry about Georgia offensively at the quarterback position. If JT Daniels is not healthy, um, not so much for the rest of their schedule, but when they do get to play Alabama and Atlanta, um, and for Arkansas, look, I think Arkansas is a really good team. They're not nowhere near on Georgia or Alabama's level. That's nothing to really be ashamed for because not a lot of teams are, but, um, I think it just shows, where Georgia's at, Arkansas, I think, is still going to be a good story this year, but they're not going to be competing uh, versus Alabama and Georgia for the SEC anytime soon. Yeah, um, I would agree. I, I think Arkansas is a couple years away. This was this was a nice story for the first five mm-hmm. weeks of the year, but Georgia's just on a whole other level. And speaking of teams that are on another level, Alabama forty two twenty one overall miss, and, and wasn't even that close. You know. It just wasn't. I mean, Ole Miss scores a touchdown late to pull within 21. Um, another dominant showing for Nick Saban. He's still undefeated against former assistants. And for all of the offensive firepower, I mean, the over-under in this game was 80, set at yeah. 80. I, I got it at 80. I bet the under as a, as a principal because I am a man <laughs> of principal. And Ole Miss, you know, they moved the, yeah. the ball well on their first drive. Lane goes for it on fourth down, doesn't get it. Lane went for it. I believe three or four times in the first half on fourth down. And I get it. Like you're playing Alabama. You need to be aggressive. You're not going to beat them with field goals. Just didn't, it just, just didn't go their way. And it's, 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 it's a tough blow to Matt Corral's Heisman chances. I saw actually Bryce Young moved ahead of him in the Heisman odds on DraftKings. Um, I think this is kind of a story similar to Georgia. I think there are two incredible teams um, and they're probably going to play twice this year. They're probably going to meet for the SEC title in Atlanta. And they're probably going to meet for, the national championship, wherever that is played this year. Um, Bryce Young looks good. The offense is efficient. The defense is 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 not a, a elite unit, I don't think, but they are just good enough um, to hold really good offenses to 21 yeah. points. Yeah, it's just kind of how it was. And like you said, it was kind of garbage time. Uh, Lane Kiffin started off the game well by just saying, get your popcorn ready. And... <laughs> Which is totally typical lane, but uh, yeah, like you said, dominant. I completely agree that they had to go for it on fourth down, I think, early in that game. You want you need to set a tone early if you're going to beat a team like Alabama and you have to be aggressive. It just didn't work out. And as we were kind of talking about with Georgia and Arkansas, just teams on just totally different levels uh, playing the same game right now. Uh, and unfortunately... Um, for Alabama's next opponent, I don't think it's going to get any easier for them, and that'll be that would be Texas A&M. They actually drop a game at home to Mississippi State. Um, Goodness, cool. and I know you kind of you have a rant you kind of want to go on here in a little bit, but I mean, I mean Texas A&M. This was a team that a lot of us thought some people thought could challenge Alabama this year to be uh, the top uh, a top team in the SEC West. This is now their second SEC conference loss already. You know. They are on their second string quarterback, but the way they've recruited and the way that they pay uh, Jimbo Fisher, you should probably be getting a lot better results than this. And I'll let you kind of, I know you kind of had a rant about Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. Bit. So this is the thing. So Jimbo Fisher, when he was hired at A&M signed a 10 year, $75 million deal. And everyone oohed and odd about the length and the total amount of money. He's three years removed from that. So coming into this year, he had seven years left on his contract and over $50 million owed to him still. And then it's announced last month before the season started, they signed him to a contract extension, a new 10-year, $90 million deal that kicks in this year. And my question is, why? 
We see this happen school after school. The coach has one good year or one breakthrough victory, and they get a four-year contract extension, right? And the coaches and the agents will say, well, I'll get negatively recruited against if I have less than four years on my deal. And maybe there's some merit to that. I get it. But Jim, you know, Jim Harbaugh just finished out his contract at Michigan. I mean, they literally like didn't have a deal before he signed his new extension. So, you know, my thing is this, if, if Jimbo has a good year this year, they go 10 and two or, you know, whatever. Um, and maybe LSU comes calling or Michigan comes calling or USC. That's when you give him the contract extension. That's perfectly acceptable. Who is in September going to hire Jimbo Fisher to be their football coach and is going to pay him $9 million for 10 years. You're, bidding against yourself and now you have an offense that is inept you're three and two you've just lost to arkansas you lost them like arkansas and mississippi state lucas are supposed to be the the easy one the easy ones in that in that division you still got to play lsu you still got to play auburn you still got to play alabama uh i mean south carolina is their crossover game it's probably not a huge you know threat but this is a team that's probably going to be seven and five and you're 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 paying the coach Dabo sweeney nick saban money so I get it. Like I, I was reading on the A&M boards after the game and, and th- they apparently just have some insane money boosters. And they're like, yeah, if they want him fired, they'll, they'll, they'll pay the 90 something. <laughs> not, not that it's going to happen, but these schools continue to do this where now the buyouts, the buyouts are so much. Every single school that fires a coach now, the number one you think about is, well, can, can, can they afford it? Because you gave them a eight year extension after an eight and five season. What are you doing? Anyway. The agents are running yes. the sport. It's confusing me. It's confounding me, and I hate yeah, it. And people will pay it because you know what happens when they pay when those rich boosters pay those sweet buyouts. That's just a ta- that's just a tax write off for them. It's a nice donation that they make <laughs> to the Texas A and M fund. That's how it works. Love it. Um, God bless. But, uh, God bless America. Yeah, not a good loss. Good good win for Mississippi State, though. I mean, they threw all over. I think Will Rogers had like four hundred eight yards through the air. Um, Good for Mike Leach and them, but yeah, the bigger story. Mississippi State's just one of those confounding teams, man. You like lose to Memphis on the weird punt return, no call, two numbers guy. Like play competitive against LSU. Um, I guess somewhat competitive. You were down by a lot yeah. in the first half. You kind of came back, and then you win in in College Station. I mean, I don't. I have no idea what to think of Mississippi State. Um, you want to touch on Auburn LSU real quick before we switch gears? Yeah, because I do want to pay respect just a little bit. Uh, I am not the biggest Bo Nix fan, but I I watched this game, and this dude just played. He looked like Johnny Manziel for half this game. I'm not sure if you watched it or saw some of the highlights, but a couple of touchdowns. He broke a bunch of things, but this was really – and he played well, but, man, LSU, they cannot run the football. They had 11 oh, yards on 25 carries – when we grew up, obviously with LSU, where it was, they were known you pound the rock, pound the rock, all the good running backs that came out of LSU, and now this is what they're putting on. They don't really have a good offensive line. Um, I mean, it's it's worrisome a little bit there at LSU. I don't know if they fire Ed Orgeron, but I mean, they got they got they got to go to Lexington, Kentucky, which is not going to be an easy game. They're already a three and a half point underdog. Well, and it's like we kind of touched on with A&M. I mean, LSU still has yeah. Bama. They still yeah. have Florida. They still have A&M. They yeah. still have Arkansas. Like, th- there's probably three more losses on this schedule, three or four. So you're going seven and five. And I do think they fire Ed Orgeron. 
Um, I've somehow stumbled down some YouTube rabbit holes for LSU, like fan YouTube shows. <laughs> and they're all about it. They're already like throwing out names, Kiffin and Franklin and all these guys, Urban Meyer after this most recent weekend's escapade. So who knows? I mean, I think Coach O's gone. I think, I don't think it happens during the season, but he is, he is on the hottest of, of hot seats. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. That they can't run the ball. They have no, they're 128th in rushing in the FBS above only Mississippi state and Bowling Green. Go, 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 go Falcons. Falcons. Every time, maybe one of the worst teams in college football. That team that literally does not want to run the football at all. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not like good. You sent that uh, rant in our group chat. I did watch that, and it was uh, legendary, very good. Man. Legendary. And he's like, we're one more loss, and we're getting closer to relevancy. That alone was just just made me laugh. But I love when he said Orgeron forced gumped his way to a championship. <laughs> So good. So good. That's actually the, like the, uh, so like, that's like the LSU radio station that like has the LSU oh, games on. So that's, that's why that's it's, they're very passionate about their football down there in Baton Rouge. Um, let's switch gears to the other coast here. We'll talk about the PAC 12. Yeah. Um, a couple games stand out. I, I think Oregon, Stanford, um, and Arizona state UCLA are some games that we should hit on Oregon. You know, we, we had joked about how we're going to come on this podcast on a Monday night and Oregon's going to have lost at a 1 a.m. Eastern or, or, or 2 a.m. Eastern yeah. to Cal. It actually wasn't like that. They played on 12.30 Pacific time, 3.30 Eastern on ABC. Stanford gets them in overtime. There's some weird kind of tomfoolery yeah. with Kayvon Thibodeau who gets called for targeting the last play of the game. Stanford ties it. Regardless, Stanford continues to be a thorn in Oregon's side. They take down the Ducks 34, 31-24 up on the farm. Um. One thing I want to say first, Lucas, and then I'll, I'll toss it to you is like, I don't think this, like, this is not Oregon is out of the playoff discussion. No. Like, let's, let's be clear about that. They have a win at Ohio state. There is probably not another team in the country because of what's happened with Clemson. That's going to have a good, that's going to have a better non-conference win. So if Oregon runs the table and wins the Pac-12 championship over an ASU or a Utah or, or whomever, they still have a great shot for the playoff. But we're just seeing the Pac-12 eat itself again. We're seeing the Pac-12 eat. And Stanford, one of those teams, you just have no idea. You have no idea. They beat USC. They lose to UCLA. They beat Oregon. Yeah. Weird. No, uh, I agree. Like, with uh, with Stanford, they are better than I think a lot of people expected them. Uh, especially um, after they lost. They got crushed on the road in week one to, to Kansas State. But, no, like you said, kind of a fluky game. Stanford is one of those weird places to play. They don't really have a great home atmosphere there's oh, it's awful it's awful like the pictures before the game there's like fifteen thousand people there and have them are oregon fans it was the same thing uh, a couple weeks ago when they lost ucla it was all like royal blue but no i agree with you because if you look at the rest of oregon's schedule i mean they they have cal next week cal has not looked good cal can't score at all um you have ucla that could be a tough game that's at the rose bowl but then you have colorado washington wazoo utah their toughest game remaining on this schedule might be Oregon State, and they get them at home. I, I completely agree with you. I don't think this is is an end. It is a roadblock because, like, let's face it, the Pac-12 has a bad perception problem. It doesn't matter really how good teams are in that conference until one of them breaks through to the playoff and probably wins the playoff game. The perception battle is going to be there, so it, it didn't help on that. Um, but then again, on Stanford's side, I mean, Tanner uh, Tanner McKee, I think, is probably the best quarterback Stanford's had in a while. 
Um, he's really good. He's, yep, really, he's good. really good. Was a, I know he was a, a pretty high recruit for them. Um, you know, interesting win for them. I think that the Pac-12 North is really interesting with the way Oregon State's been playing. Um, they had a nice win uh, this past week. Who they put? They played Wazoo. Played Washington. Washington. Played Washington. And knocked them off. Beat them at home. Um, yep. Yeah, they're two and zero. Washington, another team that continues to disappoint this year. Um, oh, but a man. team though, we're talking about teams kind of disappointed. I think we had a team kind of turn around their their schedule in your Sun Devils with a huge win on the road at UCLA. This felt like kind of the ASU team we we expected all year. Uh, Dane Daniels yeah. looked great. They held, uh, you know, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson in check. I mean, what were kind of your observations from this game? Yeah, I mean, this was a really good Jane Daniels game. Threw for 286 for a couple touchdowns. ASU ran the ball for 177 yards. The thing that impressed me the most was the defense in the second half. They shut out UCLA in the second mm-hmm. half. They were up 24-23 um, after the first half. And we're thinking this is going to be a wild game back and forth. Um, and the defense really played well in the second half. They were able to stop UCLA's rushing attack. UCLA did run the ball for 200 yards. Average 3.8 yards a carry. Hmm. Um and a lot of those yards were Dorian Thompson Robinson, who rushed for 96 yards, just kind of scrambling, trying to make things happen late. Um, there were some there were some gaffes. There were some mistakes, but a great win for ASU. I mean, if you look at kind of how things are breaking in the South, USC's fired their coach, has a couple bad losses in conference. Um, UCLA now, ASU has the tiebreaker over them via the head-to-head win in Pasadena, which was great. They play Utah in two weeks. Um, another 1030 Eastern start, which I am begrudgingly having to sit through every single ASU game has been at least 1030 Eastern Fox somehow decided they're going to, they, they want UCLA Washington for the 8 PM Eastern on game on Fox. No. And that, that's fine. Um, <laughs> listen, credit, credit to Herm and, and the staff for a bad loss at BYU where you looked awful. You had 16 penalties, four turnovers to right the ship the way they have with a, a thumping of Colorado and a, a pretty impressive win at UCLA where they were only, I believe they were three point yeah. favorites. No, they were three yeah, point underdogs. Um, and you, you win the game by 19. Very, um, very, very impressive. Nice. Uh, you know, and yeah. so we'll, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll see how the, how the South plays out. I don't know. I know Utah's undefeated in conference and ASU goes up there. In I, a couple I, weeks. I just think that the game Friday night, the fact that you guys have to turn around, we were just talking about how Stanford is a thorn in the side of Oregon. Now you all have to play them. Friday night on a short week, uh, coming off a huge emotional win against UCLA. Um, that's going to be, and I think that's once again, that's a, is that a nine 30 Eastern kick? Uh, no, it's a, it's a 10 30 Eastern Lucas. Nine 30 Central. Nine 30 Central. There we go. It, it was so just quite a quick aside. Like these games aren't going anywhere. I was, I saw the ratings for Iowa and, uh, Maryland and it made FS1 the number two cable network oh, yeah. on Friday night, only two Fox news. It got a huge, it got like 1.3 million viewers and I get it. I mean, Mike, Mike Loxley kind of complained about it during the week, but it's like, this is a big, I mean, would you rather play at seven 30 or whatever time on, on a Friday night or three o'clock on Saturday when you're buried or when you're on Saturday night and you've had 12 hours of football and everyone's asleep. Yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 it's tough, but the Pac-12 doesn't do its good teams a lot of favors, to be honest, and this is kind of an example. Uh, I will be revisiting this game for, for our picks. Um, <laughs> let's get to the ACC real quicker. Um, 
Virginia beats Miami. Manny Diaz is in a ton of trouble there on a Thursday night. Wake Forest escapes Louisville. Clemson escapes Boston College. Clemson falls out of the top yeah. 25, by the way, for the first time in seven yep. years, I believe. Uh, North Carolina rebounds against Duke. The fight in Florida State, Mike Norvell's get a three-point win against Syracuse. Um, and Pitt just stonewalls. I mean, Georgia Tech, one of these teams, they have no idea what yep. they're going to do week to week. They thump North Carolina. They get thumped I, by Pitt. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. Lucas. Yeah, I, took, I took Georgia Tech money line. Decided to believe in them. After oh, getting nice. crushed. No, oh, not no, nice. not nice. Sorry. <laughs> I was seeing North Carolina <laughs> the game. Because the week before, I took North Carolina to cover by 12 and a half. And then freaking Georgia Tech just wipes them uh, uh, at Mercedes-Benz. And I go, okay, Georgia Tech, I don't really trust Pitt. They lost to Western Michigan earlier this year. Uh, And then Pitt just storms the floor. Kenny Pickett is really good. Um, That's all I'll say. He is is. very, very good. Um, So is there anything that stands out that you want to kind of touch on from the ACC last week? Is it Miami? Is it Florida State? Is it... Well, like, what do you think? No, I, the ACC is it's very much down, but it is extremely fun this year because in in Wide both open. divisions with Clemson being down with wait we just we mentioned we talked about Wake Forest earlier in the show, uh, you know right now leading that division, I have no idea who's coming out of the coastal. Is it Pitt? Are we going to have a Pitt Wake Forest ACC championship game uh, potentially? <laughs> um, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, but it should be a lot of fun. We should get a lot of answers because we mentioned Wake Forest and Clemson do play each other, uh, I believe, uh, in a few weeks. Um, Pitt, um, I know this week, uh, they're they're on the, or in two weeks they're on the road at Virginia Tech, uh, and the, then they get Clemson the week after that. So uh, uh, followed by Miami. So a lot of things. Uh, the biggest thing you kind of hit on it, uh, Manny Diaz. I mean, Miami, I mean, that was a brutal loss. They lost on a on a deflected field goal off the goalpost against Virginia. Um, yeah, they're two and three. And really, their they're one win, their two wins are against Central Connecticut State and then barely beating App State. It's, it's not looking good. Uh, you were favored to potentially win that side of the conference. And next week, I mean, it doesn't get any better. Their next three games are, they're, at, they're playing uh, – at UNC in two weeks, they got NC State at home, and then they got to go on the road at Pitt. So, yeah, they they might make a bowl, but I mean, I, six and six and seven and five at Miami's not going to do it. So, um, but disappointing teams. Talking about other disappointing teams, we're going to hop over to the Big Ten, and I'm going to start with. Uh, <laughs> I'll start with. Are you going to? Are you going to point the finger in the mirror, or are you yeah, going to go somewhere else? Point, point the finger in the mirror, disappoint team. Wisconsin, once again, loses to Michigan State. This was the big noon kickoff game. Um, this was this had all the emotions for me. Uh, at the beginning, it looked like just it looked like typical Wisconsin could not move the ball, start the second half. Um, I think they went three and out on their first four offensive drives and didn't even complete a completion. Um it was looking bad, but then all of a sudden they get resurgent. They score ten points to close out before halftime, um, and then our starting quarterback and our best uh, offensive weapon get knocked out in the first series uh, in the second half. Pretty much downhill from then. Uh, Michigan wins it easily by twenty-one points. Um, before I go into Wisconsin, I mean, big takeaway: I think Michigan's good. Um, do I think they're great? Uh, no, I think that I think they're they're very much familiar with 
most of Harbaugh's Michigan teams. I think they're going to beat teams that are of equal to less of talent of them. But until we see them play a Penn State, a, they get Michigan State, I believe, in a couple weeks. Um, I'm not sold right now if they're going to be competing in the Big Ten East. I think their defense is legit. Uh, but to me, they're a little bit too one-dimensional. I mean, and again, against a good defense, I mean, Wisconsin held them to, I think, two and a half yards per carry on the ground. Um, but they hit some big plays when they needed to. Um, and they created, I think they had three forced turnovers on defense for them. Um, so I think I think they're pretty good. But like I said, probably find out here in a couple weeks. I mean, this week, I am intrigued by their game against Nebraska this week. Um I think that's going to be one of the best. I mean, obviously the big one is Penn State, Iowa, but I think Nebraska at home against Michigan, um, especially with that Michigan State uh, game kind of on the horizon for them, see if that's a look ahead. But otherwise, um, there wasn't really much else to look at. The Big Ten, Iowa won. We talked about Friday night. Iowa won easily. Um, Iowa's defense is legit, and their offense actually looked really good. That game, honest to God, Lucas. I mean, I was looking at that line yes. for the whole day. At one point, Iowa minus three was trending on Twitter. I said, this is a sign. I need to take yeah. Iowa minus three. Didn't. I had. I was like, maybe i take Maryland three and a half. It's it's seven to yeah, three, Maryland, after yeah. the first quarter. And I went to go do something. I like ate dinner or cooked something. I come back. It's 34-14 at halftime. I go, what in the lo-? And then I'm, I'm looking at the ESPN play-by-play, and it's like turnover on the, on the, on the kickoff. Iowa touchdown interception, like two play drive interception. I like three force, I believe five turnovers in the first half, six turnovers, like insane, insane. And so both Iowa and Penn state take care of business. Penn state shuts out Indiana, Indiana. We kind of thought in the preseason, like, Oh, is Indiana going to have another? No, they're not. (laughs) Um, We'll talk about Iowa, Penn state, which right now is the the game of the year in the big 10, which will be uh, coming up here this weekend. But Nebraska's pretty good, man. 56-7 over over uh over Northwestern. They almost beat Michigan State two weeks ago in, in East Lansing. Like, credit to Scott Frost, man. That Illinois loss turns out to be super fluky with what we've seen from Illinois. Nebraska is a middle tier Big Ten West yeah. program. I think they're I think they will compete against Wisconsin. I think they will. I don't remember if they've already played Purdue, but I would assume they're better than Purdue. They just stomp Northwestern. Um, so, uh, credit to Scott Frost. Cause after week zero, it was fire Scott Frost. Who we getting? How is this guy not working out? And he has righted the ship and that is a team playing good football. And the game this week against Michigan, very intriguing. It's the four, uh, what? Six thirty central ABC, ABC game. game. Yep. I I'm assuming Fowler and Herbie are going to do that game. Um, it's going to be a lit atmosphere as the kids say in, in, in Lincoln, and it'll be a big time statement for Scott Frost yeah. if he can get a win over a ranked Michigan. Yeah, I, I don't home. think it's uh it's crazy to say this is probably the biggest game in the Scott Frost era. Like just with everything going yeah. on. I mean, this is a chance because I mean I I did take Nebraska plus three and a half. I did take or uh yeah, they were three and a half point dogs. Cause to me, this is either I feel like this could either play out as Iowa uh, Maryland played out last week because it's about the same line or this turns into Scott Frost's signature, his first signature win at Nebraska. Um, I think I read somewhere in the six games Nebraska's played their win, ex- their win expectancy rate has been over 70% in five of those games. Um, it was, it was like almost 80% against Illinois. It was over 70% 
against Michigan State. So they technically, according to the stats, they should be five and one. So right. yeah, I'm intrigued to see that game. Obviously, Iowa Penn State um, is going to be insane. That's a three, I believe, a three o'clock kickoff. Yeah, three o'clock Central on, kickoff on yeah. Fox, which is weird. They're doing Big Noon Saturday there, but they have that one for three o'clock instead of noon. Yeah. So credit to Fox. I'm. I. I don't know if the schools really push back on it. It's not quite a night game at 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 Kinnick. It's like a late afternoon yeah. going into night game, but. I'm I'm just guessing Iowa and Penn State did not want that game at eleven central. I just think Iowa probably did whatever it could to push and say, No, we cannot we please, please don't do this. Um so they they have Ohio State versus Maryland on at yeah. noon and then Iowa Penn State's at three o'clock Eastern. Um real quick before we get into the week preview, anything from the Big Twelve catch your eye. Oklahoma yeah. State beats Baylor at home. Oklahoma State's still undefeated. Oklahoma just keeps doing this where we're just going to escape games and, and they win by six at, at Kansas State. Although Kansas State for Oklahoma is always kind of a weird, Especially in Manhattan. weird, weird Especially one. In Manhattan. Yeah. Texas beats TCU 32-27. Um, there was some after-game press conference stuff with Gary Patterson calling out uh, the amount of carries for B. John Robinson. Um, anything from the Big 12 here real quick before yeah, we move uh, on? Yeah, Oklahoma State, like we were kind of saying uh, – just quietly undefeated right now. Um, going to be interesting to see what they have. Big matchup, obviously, this coming week. We got Red River, um, which will be at 11 o'clock. Um, Oklahoma in Texas. Very interesting because outside of that Arkansas game, Texas, I think, has looked pretty well. Um, I feel like this was a game under Herman against TCU where there wasn't a lot of stuff you know, going their way that they probably lose. So I think kind of getting kind of a, a gritty win against CCU bids well for them going against Oklahoma. I have no idea what to expect in that game. Um, Cause we've seen Oklahoma lose that game against not great Texas teams and then go to the playoffs. So um, that's what I'm going to uh, really kind of say nothing really to take away in Texas tech, Virginia, Kansas is still terrible. They get absolutely crushed by, by Iowa Brutal. state. Um, but yeah, Brutal. looking forward to red river. Um, last game, I think just kind of wanted to hit on because it's not in a conference, but Notre Dame, Cincinnati. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Good huge ball. win for Cincinnati. It was a game. I mean, the first half they were up seventeen nothing. Uh, at one point, they were turning uh, Notre Dame over. Jack Cohn even got pulled uh, during this game. Um, but obviously, a huge win for them. Um, obviously, we're going to be having a lot of talk about them moving forward because they really I mean they they did their job they went undefeated against both Indiana and Notre Dame on their schedule won both of those games on the road which is pretty impressive um and now the talk's going to be the whole time if they stay undefeated do they have a shot I don't see it just on the fact that I don't trust the committee I don't think they'll do it um and the fact that the the AAC is not as strong this year as it has been in the past. I mean, kind of what are your thoughts on that game and uh, Cincinnati? Yeah. So a couple thoughts. Um, I was actually pulling up the AAC standings, right? As you said that, because I, I agree that's going to hurt them, but Cincinnati just looked like the yeah. better team. Like that's one of those games where like, it's not an upset. It, and granted, since he was favored, yeah. favored they were ranked higher. So it, it shouldn't have been a huge surprise. I thought they were more physical. I thought that defense is really good. They force turnovers. They force, they impact the quarterback. Ritter is is a hell of a quarterback, um, but with them in the playoff here, real quick. I mean, you're right. The American being down doesn't help them. Memphis is three and two. UCF is two and two. Temple's three and two. East Carolina's three and two. Um, 
you have SMU in Houston. I'll be honest. I don't know if Cincinnati plays yeah. them. Since they, they do, what they the do structure. play uh, SMU at, towards the end of the year. Um, okay. So maybe yeah. SMU is one loss or undefeated, and that's a big game. I don't know. But this is the year, Lucas, where it yeah. could happen when you already have Clemson with two losses and you 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 have a, a Oregon team already lose and Oklahoma looks, looks kind of shaky. So this could be the year where we see it. Long way to yeah. go, though, because – Let's face it. Usually, this happens where since he's going to stumble or they're going to lose twice in conference, it's 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 hard to go undefeated in any league. So we'll see what happens. I do want to get to uh, the upcoming week here because I know you got to roll uh, about fifteen minutes. Because listen, it's a big yeah. week. We have two game of the years. Okay, we have two game of the years in this conference. We have Akron at Bowling Green, and we have UConn at UMass. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> UConn visiting UMass, Akron at Bowling Green. We're going to do 30 minutes on each. So, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I kind of want to bet those games just to have to watch, just have to watch the four worst teams in, to, in their To FPS UConn's play. credit, they have played, they have covered, co- I think they've covered three weeks in a row since they fired Randy Etzel. When we, how bad is Vandy, man? Needing a, like, trailing in that game, needing a last second, not last second, but like a game winning drive to take a field goal. Hey. Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, you're 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 just trying I mean, to get wins if you're Vandy right now. Two and ten is I probably maybe they, they can squeak I out a win it. against South Carolina, but but it's it. yeah, it's it's not good here in uh Nashville. But hopefully this is this is just um, this is the, the lowest they go and hopefully they're building up after this. But um all right, so we got I believe three ranked on ranked matchups. Obviously the big one, Iowa City. Uh, four o'clock Eastern, one Pacific on Fox, Iowa, Penn State. The Red River Red River Shootout at noon Eastern on ABC is Texas and Oklahoma, and then kind of a a weird one at noon as well. Ole Miss hosting Arkansas, which is which is both teams just got punched in the face and knocked out, and it's like who's going to recover faster? Um, one thing on the Red River game here, I'll, I'll I'll start with that. This to me feels like Oklahoma's first loss. I mean, this this just feels like Oklahoma is not playing well all season. They've, they escaped Nebraska. They escaped Kansas state. They escaped Tulane. At some point you just run out of escapes and maybe this is the game where Rattler struggles. I don't think Texas is great, but they have a, they're only lost once and that was on the road in a crazy atmosphere to a good Arkansas team. So I think Texas has a really good shot to beat Oklahoma. I'll probably bet Texas. I believe it's three and a half, yeah. three, three and a half right now is, is, is the line. Um, I think these two teams will probably play again for the big 12 championship. I think Texas under Sark in year one has been a lot better than I thought they were going to be. Kudos to Sark for making the quarterback change to Casey Thompson. That seems to have worked out. So um, fun one there, Lucas, you can touch on that one. You can go kind of anywhere you want. What are you kind of thinking for this upcoming here? Uh, yeah, week six? I think, uh, just kind of going, I think that'll be obviously a huge match, especially in the big 12, whoever wins that kind of has the driver's seat to make it. Cause we could see, I mean, to be honest, we could see both the, this could be the second time we see Oklahoma and Texas play each other this year. Um, cause they could meet potentially back in the, in the big 12 championship game. But I think going down to, to Iowa city, uh, just a massive game. I don't think coming into the year, I think we knew Penn State was going to rebound from 2020. Um, and we knew Iowa uh, had a pretty good year last year after starting off 0-2, and they just have not stopped. Uh, that defense, 
Uh, this should be a relatively low-scoring game. Uh, both defenses are pretty good. Iowa's has just been ridiculous in the amount of times they, they turn the ball over, and I think that's going to be the key, especially with Sean Clifford's been pretty good this year. Uh, but we've seen bad Sean Clifford in the last couple of years when they've gone up. Not good. Gets, gets Not good defenses. Good. And this was – I would – I mean, force uh, Talia Tagovailoa into five picks. Um, you know, games at Kennick are nuts. I've been there twice. Um, literally the benches are about five feet from the stands. Um, it's going to be a raucous atmosphere. Um, I was impressed with how Iowa moved the football. Uh, Spencer Petras almost had 300 yards passing last week, uh, against Maryland. So I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think if I, if I were to lean somewhere, I'd probably lean with Iowa just because I think this is just going to be a crazy atmosphere. And I think their defense can hold Penn state in check. Um, but should be a fun one. And that one's going to determine on, I think if Iowa wins that game, they put a stranglehold on the West. And I think if Penn state wins that game, I think you have to seriously start talking about them as a serious, if you, if you haven't already uh, a serious contender with, uh, with Ohio state over in the East side. Yeah. Um, you kind of stole what I was going to say there at the end, because I do think, I think Iowa clearly at this point is the best team in the West. I I think, I think a loss to Penn state. I I just don't know. I don't think unless Wisconsin drastically figure something out over the next couple of weeks. And that's why I was saying like, if they lose this, it is one big 10 loss. So it, it makes it, but yeah, I agree. I don't think, I think there's a significant gap between Iowa and everybody else in the West. Um, So Penn state goes to Columbus on the, it's uh, the 30th of uh, October. So, Again, it's it's. I think Ohio State's still unbeaten in conference. I still I, they seem to figure things out against Rutgers. Put up a, a fifty-two spot, blew blew them out. It is Rutgers, but Rutgers have been playing yeah. decently well. They 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 gave Michigan a decent game the week before. Um, yeah, this is gonna be a fun one. I mean, my I kind of lean Penn State. I think they're a little bit more battle tested. Um, but Clifford on the road scares you, man. And I think Iowa. Iowa does what it does. They, they got a really good running back, Tyler Goodson. They got a quarterback that takes care of the ball. They got a defense that just forces turnovers. And you can say it's luck, but when you force turnovers every single game, it becomes other, something yeah. other than luck. It becomes what you are doing to mm-hmm. force turnovers. So it's it's gonna be a good one. I'm I'm excited. It's kind of the mid um midday game. Um would have loved it at night, but I I I get it. Um Arkansas Ole Miss, I think, is somewhat intriguing. Um, just because the loser, I mean, both teams have a lot of juice. Both coaches have a lot of juice. I mean, Lane Kiffin, his name is being thrown around for every job now. I mean, LSU, USC, I mean, any big job is going to, Lane Kiffin's going to be there because he can manufacture an offense that can score points. Um, Sam Pittman's done a great job. Arkansas has been in the top 10 for some of the year. They've been top 25 most of the year. The loser of this game, the, the, the shine's going to be off a little bit. You know, you're going to have back-to-back losses and, you go from maybe being a nine or ten win team fighting for a New Year's Six Bowl and maybe the second best team in that division, which is crazy to say that one of these two teams could be that, but they could. And the loser is kind of going to be middle tier with teams like Auburn and and um, LSU and and Texas A and M. Um, so this is a really intriguing one as far as two teams in the division who were not expected to be this good this early. Um, really, really playing good football. They meet in. Um, Oxford, Mississippi. That's a t- noon Eastern on ESPN. Um, 
Lucas, another game you're looking at? Anywhere else yeah, you want to go I here? I think uh, staying in the SEC, Georgia going uh, down to yep. Jordan-Hare Stadium in Auburn. Um, Auburn, obviously, both had really nice wins last week. Georgia, obviously, just absolutely uh, just crushing Arkansas, 37 nothing, And then Auburn getting a win in Death Valley, coming back from behind. I think they were down 13 nothing at one point in that game. Uh, as we mentioned, Bo Nix played, I thought, extremely well. Um, I'm just interested to see. I, I don't know if they're going to, I don't think they're going to be able to replicate that against Georgia. Cause I think Georgia has easily the best and most talented defense in the entire country. And it's just scary going up against them, but they are, they are playing at home and this is a rivalry game as well. Um, and we'll see if Georgia, we have no, I, I don't know if, uh, JT Daniels is anywhere close to returning yet. If they have to play uh, Stetson Bennett. Uh, but that's an interesting game. That's the 2.30 CBS kickoff. Um, kind of interesting. They're, they're doing both the 2.30 and CBS is doing a night game with uh, Alabama at Texas A&M. Um, but I think that's just an intriguing game just because both coming off good wins and just seeing if they can uh, repeat that. I think Auburn's a 14.5-point dog, I believe, in that game. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I, I believe in their contract, CBS gets two doubleheaders a year. One of them is usually always um, Bama LSU at night. You know, that's a big one for Jimbo. Like, you, I think you can score on the Alabama defense, um, but I think Al- Alabama's laying 17 and a half. That number could get closer to 20 by the time it kicks off. I get it. Jimbo, you lost your quarterback. Haynes King is, is, you know, Zach Calzada is just not the answer. The offensive lines, you, you had to replace a lot. And A&M, I think we all expect programs to be like Alabama, where you lose eight guys to the draft and you lose 15 seniors and you just replace them. But not a lot of schools are like that. And we're seeing Clemson isn't quite like that with how they're faring and LSU and A&M. So the question is, can Jimbo keep it close? Can you at least stay within two touchdowns? Can you be competitive in the fourth quarter? I think that's what I'll be looking for because that team has some, has a, some, some, some quit factor in it, you know, a team that had a lot of high expectations and this is the year to break through They're They're kind of having the year that Arkansas is having the year they thought was going to happen is kind of what is happening with Arkansas. A couple more games. I, I want to touch out real quick and then we'll do our picks and get out of here. We touched a little bit on Michigan, Nebraska. That's the uh, 6.30 Central Time, 4.30 Pacific on ABC. That's going to be a fun atmosphere. Big one for Scott Frost. And Jim Harbaugh, like all of a sudden, Michigan's ranked nine. Um, the resume, I think, is a little skeptical just with what we've seen from Washington and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. But, hey, you play who's on your schedule that, that they're 5-0. and um, Notre Dame plays Virginia Tech That's on the road on 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern on ACC Network. That's an interesting one. Notre Dame is laying a point. Um, Virginia Tech is unranked. They had a loss on the road to West Virginia earlier in the season, so not quite the same shine that they had when they beat North Carolina, but that'll be an interesting one for a Notre Dame team that hasn't looked that great this season. LSU-Kentucky, we also talked about Kentucky. Like They run the ball. They know who they are. They play good defense. Are they... I hate to even say this, but it's, it's weird to say. Are they looking past LSU to Georgia. get to to get to Georgia <laughs> next week? Like, I mean, that's insane to think about. Be. But it, you know, this this could also be. I think LSU is kind of a trendy upset pick because I, I think LSU they still have a lot of talent, and they still they have a great receiver, Keishon Butte. Um, if they can get some semblance of a running game, but really, LSU is not a physical team, and Kentucky is. So th- th- I think that'll be interesting. And then 
you know, Friday night, ASU Stanford. I mean, we had talked about ASU back in the top 25. They keep kind of going in and out, in and out. And um, Stanford's, I think, is a good team. Um, I don't know if they're a favorite or a contender in, in the North, but they're a, a tough team with a good quarterback. ASU coming off a big emotional win. Jane Daniels played well. They were hitting shots over the top. So interested to see. Stanford's getting anywhere between 11 and 12 and a half points. Um, interested to see how ASU comes out. It's on national TV. It's on ESPN, 7.30 Pacific time. I'm actually going oh, to that nice. game. Um, so, yeah. So my, my first ASU game in a, since 2019. So I'm excited for that. And we'll see how they look. Anything else you want to uh, touch on before we get uh, to our picks here? I think just maybe, just maybe one more uh, out West. Boise yeah. State, BYU. Uh, Boise State hasn't looked too great uh, under a first-year head coach. Um, I just... I just think it's going to be intriguing to, to follow BYU uh, the rest of this year, kind of like with Cincinnati. Because um, you could argue that BYU plays almost a Power 5-like schedule. I think they have five they have five Pac-12 teams. Uh, they'd be leading the Pac-12 South, I believe, right now. Uh, if they're not. <laughs> We made that joke yeah. a couple weeks ago. They already have wins over Utah, Arizona, yeah. and ASU. So, and they play uh, USC, Wazoo, and I still think they have a, a game against Virginia. Um, on the docket as well. So if they continue to win, I think that's an interesting conversation. Meanwhile, like you said, you have Boise State, typically a power, uh, you know, in the group of five, not so much this year. But I still think, I think, Boy, I think uh, BYU is only about a five-point favorite um, at home there in Provo. So I think uh, that's an interesting game uh, if you're looking for some non-power uh, five um Otherwise, I think uh, I think we pretty much hit on just about any of them. Um, are pretty much all the ones that you know I'm at least looking forward to watching. Not a like not a massive massive week. We have one top ten matchup, a um, couple top twenty five matchups. But you know we we kind of always joke that these are the weeks that always end awesome, up being yes. awesome, right? The weeks that you don't expect to be great. We have upsets. You have crazy double overtime games. So. I think it'll be fun. Um, I think it'll be fun here. Let's get to our picks real quick before we get out of here. Another great week for the syndicate. I mean, a seven and two week in week five. Um, as a as a group, we are twenty nine and sixteen overall, which is pretty damn good. I went three and zero. I had the under fifty five and a half in Auburn LSU. Syracuse plus five and a half. They lost by three, and Texas minus three and a half. There was some there was some tomfoolery in the Texas game. I bet it at minus five officially. The line moved at three and a half. Lucas was kind enough to give me because uh, we all took Texas as our lock, so we all won that one. But I was I tied that one on my betting sheet and I won it on the uh, on the picks. Patrick went two and one. He had Georgia minus sixteen and a half. Never a doubt. The other win was Texas minus three and a half. Uh, Ole Miss plus fifteen and a half. Ooh, not uh, nice ideal. Too. Lucas also two and one. He had Cincinnati minus one and a half. Ole Miss was the loss at plus 15 and a half and Texas minus three and a half was the win. Um, quick update on the standings. Ryan and Patrick tied at the top at 10 and five and Lucas is nine and six. Lucas, why don't you go first? Why don't you give us your pick My of pick the week? Is actually I'm going to be doing, I'm going to take the over, <clears throat> In the Virginia Louisville game, I actually was able to get it yesterday at 65 and a half. It is now at 69 and a half. So I'm feeling very good about that. Um, just 
think it's going to be a lot of scoring. Neither de- neither team has a very good defense, and both have very fun quarterbacks to watch in Brandon Armstrong yep. and Malik Cunningham. So over and out. Virginia's fun. Yeah. The Virginia offense is fun, man. Fun. They can score. Except against Wake Forest, apparently. Don't remember, Not to yeah, bring up bad memories. Me uh, my pick is going to be Michigan minus three and a half. I think Michigan is really good. And I know the Big Ten East. Big Ten East is probably the best division of football. Like, not probably. Yes, it's, yeah. it's the best division of football. Four ranked teams, four teams in the top 20, two team, three teams in the top 10. Um, so I think Michigan, I think Nebraska is playing well, but Northwestern is absolutely awful this year. So I think Michigan goes on the road and they win by between 14 and seven points. So I'll take Michigan minus three and a half. Patrick is taking the Sun Devils. ASU minus 11 um, against the Stanford Cardinal. That leads into my upset pick. I'm going against Patrick. I'm taking Stanford plus 12 and a half. Uh, I bet it just, just bet it on FanDuel before the pod. Um, I just I, I don't trust ASU to cover by twelve yeah. points. I, I just don't. I think I think this could, I think ASU probably wins, but I think it's like a three to six to ten point win. Maybe maybe we get a backdoor cover. Stanford scores a touchdown late. I just worry about ASU again. Emotional win in Pasadena. You're feeling good about yourself. Stanford's riding high at two off a win over Oregon. They're they're playing some good football. So I think ASU wins the football game, but I'm going to take. Um, the, I'm going to take Stanford plus 12 and a half. Lucas, can you give us your upset? upset. So I, we're going to have a fight on our hands right now. I'm actually taking Nebraska plus three and a half Ooh. as my upset. I was, I was debating between that. I also took Temple minus or plus 29 and a half against Cincinnati, but I, I let's go better about uh, Nebraska. Like I said, I, I'm not so I don't don't even feel good about them winning. I just think they are going to play Michigan very, very tough. I was impressed that they almost beat Michigan State. It took overtime for Michigan uh, State to beat them. I just think this is going to be a raucous atmosphere. I think Scott Frost is going to have these guys ready to play. And like I said, I think Michigan's good. I don't think they are great. If you can stop them in the run game, uh, which Nebraska's done a, a decent job of this year. Um, you can, uh, they're pretty one-dimensional. Okay, Mac- McNamara is not a bad quarterback. Um, they hit on some plays against Wisconsin, but no, I, I like Nebraska plus 12 and a half. Um, and then did we, we do our locks yet? Not yet. Not yet, not yet. You want to yeah, go first? So um, uh, staying in the Big Ten, uh, staying in the Big Ten East, I'm actually going to take Michigan State minus four and a half against Rutgers. Um I think Michigan State's good, and I think we saw um, last week. Uh, I mean, it was Ohio State, so it's a different story. But you know, I I think Rutgers is kind of a pain in the ass for teams, but I, I see Michigan State covering this by at least a touchdown. So Patrick and I both have the same lock. We're both locking up Georgia minus fourteen and a half against Auburn. Um, I joked to you earlier on the pod. I said, "Well, Auburn's not going to score, <laughs> so if Georgia can get points, seventeen points, they're going to win." I mean, honestly, like, do we think Georgia, like, or um, does Auburn get an offensive touchdown? I mean, that's the what? question here. Like, I don't know if, like, does Auburn get to double digits? I just do we have a team total for uh, for Auburn. Uh, hang on. I usually team totals don't come out until later. a little bit later, but let me see. Where are you? There you are. 
I'm, I'm not seeing it, at least on FanDuel. So I, I see Auburn team total, second half, six and a half, first half, seven and a half. Oh, it's it's the Auburn team total is 15 and a half Ooh, on draft. I might take the under on that one. I might need to take the under in that one, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, that's a big line. I mean, that's going to be my lock. I mean, they, <laughs> I mean Auburn, I mean, Bonex is going to have to play great, kind of like he did last week. But I just don't see, I mean, it's just tough. I mean, they're at home. I, I don't know if I see them getting shut out at Jordan Hare. But, yeah, it's it's going to be tough sledding against uh, against Georgia. I almost kind of feel wish I should. Should have taken, but who knows? Could be a crazy weekend. Maybe Auburn makes something of a game out of it. But I, I, I tend to agree with y'all on your picks there. The uh, the the other thing I considered was the under forty two in in Wisconsin Illinois. I almost I said if it's under forty points, I may pull I the trigger. I told people I think Wisconsin's going to win that game. I was pissed. I should have taken Wisconsin. It was like I think the line came out at minus eight. It's now like at eleven, I think, or ten and a half right now. Um. Again, I don't think Illinois will score no. a point. I just don't. Oh, yeah. They they the only thing Illinois can do is run the ball. And I had Illinois in a parlay, so I watched a good amount of Illinois Charlotte <laughs> and it was it was dreadful. So if you can you can stop number zero on Illinois, a big like two hundred and thirty pound back, a, you're yeah. in good shape. Is that McCray? Josh yeah, Josh McCray. Who's he's actually really Josh good from uh, Alabama, I think. Uh, yeah, they signed him late. Apparently, uh, they said that yeah, on the Big Ten Network broadcast. He, um, so so his, I, I don't know why I'm going into this, but his offensive coordinator was a head football coach at a um, at a suburb in Milwaukee before taking an offensive uh-huh. coordinating job at another high school in Alabama. And he basically he had a relationship with Brett. Obviously, Brett being at Wisconsin for a, a good period of time, and basically said, "Hey, Brett." You got to offer this guy a scholarship. We can't get him anywhere, but he's legit, and he's been really good for uh, for Illinois. Been really good for them. And Chase Brown had two hundred fifty-seven yards rushing. So again, if Wisconsin can stop the run, like you're yeah. gonna you're gonna hold Illinois. Uh, to Grant Peters so is anyway. not a very good college quarterback. He's he's just he's just really not good. <laughs> really not good. All right. Well, ending the podcast on again talking about Illinois Recent. for whatever reason. They can't I, mean, do I don't know why they just keep coming back into into my life here. Uh, Lucas, thanks for making some time tonight. We had kind of a sporadic recording schedule, but glad we were able to do it. Any final words for the listeners? Um, yeah, don't bet Illinois this weekend. Just had to Illinois. Don't bet Illinois. And now, and now we're Illinois saying this, and I just jinxed ourselves. Like, God. <laughs> I got, I, we're going to come back I, and play the I audio next week. through another week of fucking misery because of my freaking team can't ah. score a damn point. So. You lose to Illinois, that is that's hey, not next level, man. It's going to be bad. We lost the last time we played them in Champaign. We, we, we were 34 and a half point favorites in that game. So anything can happen, and we might be playing with our backup quarterback in this game too because Graham Mertz is still questionable for this week. So anything can happen. Be well, thank you, for, uh, thank you for listening to the unofficial Illinois Fighting Illini podcast. The... Uh... <laughs> Running for the roses for Lucas. I'm Ryan. In the words of the great Patrick Wagner, uh, stay frosty, everyone.